before we start, let, let's bow in prayer. Father, we turn to you before we start this forum, Lord, and we, first of all, thank you for the opportunity of this forum, Lord, and we especially want to pray this morning that you would open our minds and our understanding, Lord, and we want to thank you that you have made and created each of us, and you have created each of us to honor you, and not only to honor you, to sometimes honor you together as husbands and wives, and Lord, we are know that you had created us each individually and perfectly, Lord, in that you have a purpose for each one of us here. Lord, That we pray that that purpose today in this forum would be more understood, and that, Lord, you would provide each one in this room with the ability to capture that understanding, Lord, and that through the messages and through the information, we would be able to live our lives pure and for you. And, Lord, we pray that this understanding would carry on throughout our entire lives. We pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Okay, th this morning's forum is uh, called Why True Love Can Wait, and it is not about the birds and the bees. So we'll just kind of um, set the tone right away. But what we're going to talk about is the results of the birds and the bees. And when I say the results of the birds and the bees, everybody right away thinks pregnancy or something else. Um, let's start by this, saying this. You know, as a boy and a girl, or man and woman, when you physically touch someone that you're very interested in, immediately your brain releases all kinds of chemicals into your body. And those chemicals do all kinds of things to you. It makes you feel good, it makes you feel excited, and so on. And obviously that's the start of a physical relationship. Linda is, works at a college in, in our hometown in Windsor, and she works as a nurse in the uh, health center. And she gets a lot of young people your age coming into the health center. And right away, we right away think, okay, they're counseling or they, they need um, help with either unwanted pregnancies or sexually transmitted diseases. But those two factors, believe it or not, are actually a small percentage of the issues the, these kids come in with. The issues that most kids come in with is not the pregnancies or unwanted pregnancies and not the sexually transmitted diseases they usually come in with emotional problems because as soon as they have a physical relationship with a person of the opposite sex, there's an immediate emotional attachment to that person. And what usually is the problem, Linda says, is that these poor boys and girls come in there and there's all kinds of emotional problems what we call emotional scars. And that problem is what we're going to talk about today because most sex education classes teach you about what we call safe sex. And we're here to tell you that that kind of safe sex uh, is not safe at all because it does nothing, absolutely nothing to prevent you from having 
problems emotionally and psychologically later on because of his attachment to another person. And this attachment is started, I mean, from the beginning of creation. That's how God made us. He made us to attach to each other. And my favorite example is when Jacob meets Rachel at the well. Jacob goes to this well, which is kind of a, like, you know, the place, the community place where everybody goes, obviously, to get water at the time. He sees Rachel, and obviously he kind of looks at her, and that's the first method of attachment. You look at somebody and say, whoa, you know, she's hot. And uh, he sees Rachel, and in Genesis um, 29, verse 11, it says, And Jacob kissed Rachel, lifted up his voice, and wept. So he kisses her. He has this physical interaction with Rachel, and that attachment to Rachel is so strong, we know the story, that he actually works a total of 14 years before he's able to actually marry her. So just think about that, guys and girls. One kiss had this emotional attachment that lasted, that was, not lasted, but that was so strong that he would work for his future father-in-law 14 years of, I'm going to say hard labor, it wasn't like a prison sentence, just to be able to have the opportunity to marry her. And one last thing before Linda starts her presentation is, a real interesting phenomenon that I find really interesting is that there's been scientific studies uh, on couples who have been married a long time. In other words, they've had this attachment that is really strong. And they can be in diff different physical locations in the world. In other words, one could be here at Eastern Camp. Another one could be in Beijing, China. Okay? And if one of the couples is going through some traumatic experience in their life, the other couple can actually feel it. Does, has anybody ever heard of that before? Okay, some people have. And there's no, on that part, there's no um, scientific reasoning on why it happens but it does happen, and the reason I'm mentioning it is to just give you an example of how strong that attachment is to a person of the opposite sex once you enter into a physical relationship. And at that, I will turn over to Linda. Okay, so... You guys are all probably wondering why you're being put through this presentation on a Friday afternoon when you're all done your choir presentation, which, by the way, everybody, it was phenomenal last night. We were all so very blessed by that. So, But um, as my husband explained to you, um, I work in a college health center at a community college in Windsor, where we come from. And basically, I got thrown into this job and uh, kind of had to feel my way through it. But what immediately became apparent to me in my first two months in the job and what astounded me was the amount of young people that came to me in complete heartache and emotional distress and turning to me as the campus nurse and looking for comfort and explanations about the confusing emotions that they were going through. So God laid upon my heart a few years ago to actually do this presentation for you because... I've developed a method of counseling these young people in the health center where I work. And I thought, these secular kids are benefiting from the 
learning experiences that I'm going through with them, why shouldn't our own kids be going through this learning process as well? So my hope and prayer for all of you today is that I give you a few nuggets of information that you will be blessed with, that you will leave with, and hopefully give you pause for thought. It will give you some new information that you've never had before, and it will hopefully help you make some better decisions and guard you from the same heartache that uh, I've been seeing some of the young people in the health center at the college go through. Okay. So the objectives of this presentation is to expand your understanding of how God designed you to react and interact in boy-girl relationships and the consequences when that natural progression is disrupted. We want you to understand the value of the gift of God that he has designed for you and the role that it's going to play in your future happiness and how these relationships influence your thoughts and your future decisions. Okay. We want to equip you with compelling emotional, relational, physical, and spiritual reasons for resisting pressure to engage in a premarital relationship outside of marriage. Your parents have advised you to avoid a physical relationship until marriage, which is an important value that's been established in all of your homes. And this is supported by the biblical standards that God has written down for us. We have to remember that the Bible is the perfect prescription for living from God. We're offering you scientific evidence today to back up these biblical standards. And science has shown that waiting until marriage to experience a physical relationship gives you the best chance of having a happy and healthy life. Ladies, what is your idea of a dream guy? This is Hollywood's idea of your dream guy. Okay, what is your Christian idea of your dream guy? Guys, what is your idea of your dream girl? Again, this is Hollywood's idea. Now, what I want you guys to do today is ask yourself, what are your dreams and your goals? You are now young adults. What goals have you set for yourself? How are you going to get there? Have you thought about what's going to interfere with your plans? Those are the kinds of questions that I want you to think about today. Okay, so anybody care to guess how many times a year you think you're being, you're receiving sexual references through the media, through magazines, movies, the internet, billboards, advertisements? How many times a year? No, it's, it's not over a million. And, and I just want you to know that I did get all this research material from a reputable um, Christian website who has done exhaustive research on compiling these statistics that I'm showing you today. But a million is very excessive. So. It's actually 
three to four thousand times a year. You guys are being bombarded by the media and you don't even realize it. It's just become second nature to us to, to receive these signals and not realize it. But what you have to realize is the impact that it is making on your thinking and on your decision-making processes. Okay, everybody in this room, I'm sure, has been through sex ed in school, right? And one of the first phrases you're going to hear in sex ed is safe sex and risk reduction. One of the first things I was asked to do when I started working at St. Clair College, because I started working there in July, and in September we get a huge intake of 8,000 students, and the student residence uh, leader, director, came to me and he said, I want you to do a sex ed class for my kids in residence. And I looked at him, and I thought, are you crazy? And he said, no, the university nurse does it, and I want you to do the same thing for the college kids. Well, you know what? It takes a lot of time to compile and to gather information and put it together in a presentation. So I asked our public health unit to step up to the plate and do it for me. And I sat in on that presentation. And let me tell you, I was so disappointed at what our public health educators were teaching the kids. I was, it was sorely lacking, and it was laced with a lot of half-truths. You do not have to accept society's standards of normal. You are called to rise above it as Christian children, and God wants you to rise above it so that you have the best outcomes in your life. Okay? Truth does not become more true by virtue of the fact that the entire world agrees with it, nor less so even if the whole world disagrees with it. Society has normalized sexual activity outside of the boundaries of marriage. Society has also normalized same-sex relationships and marriages. Society also degrades virginity as something to get rid of. And if you think I'm joking about that, I'm not. Because I've heard heartbroken young ladies in my office crying because they have an unwanted pregnancy or a sexually transmitted disease because they said, quote, unquote, I just thought it was time to get rid of the burden. I'm telling you, this is a gift from God. God wants you to save your gift for the partner he has designed and created for you. And he wants you to be patient and wait for that person to come into your life. Because when you experience a physical relationship with that special person, I promise you it is going to be the most beautiful thing that God has ever given to you in his life, in your life, other than sending his son to die on the cross and wash away our sins. I promise you that. The good news is studies are showing that the more positive and value-centered sex education that you guys are receiving, the less likely you will have a physical relationship outside the marriage. Remember, a value-centered education is based on God's will for your life. It does not distinguish between 
a one-night stand, and a long-term relationship. So for all of us in the room who know women who have been in an abusive relationship and cannot understand why they cannot leave that relationship, this is why. They are bonded to their mate because they've had a physical relationship with them and they're attached to them. And it's very difficult to extricate yourself from that relationship. Cuddling, kissing, and sexual contact releases oxytocin and it floods your brain and it causes you to become attached because it tells you that that someone that you're with is very special. And when your oxytocin levels are high in your brain, you're more likely to overlook your partner's faults and take risks that you wouldn't ordinarily take. The desire to connect is not just an emotional feeling. Bonding is real. It has a biological component and cannot be undone without great emotional pain. And that will explain why I see young men and young women in my office every week who are completely distraught, confused, depressed because they broke up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Tell yourselves this, there is no such thing as casual sex. There is no such thing as a one-night stand without emotional consequences. Vasopressin is the next neurochemical that we're talking about, and it's responsible for male bonding. And it's also referred to as the monogamy molecule. This is what is released in men during physical relationships, and this is what causes men to bond to their children. It also causes men to bond to their mate, their spouse. Again, this chemical is values neutral, it means a man can bond with a female unwisely, if he, even if he doesn't want to. So again, we're talking about those one-night stands, that, that casual sex thing. It has a powerful impact on human behavior. Many men may question why they may never seem able to feel deep inside a commitment to a woman after having one partner after another they do not realize that the pattern of multiple partners limits them to experience one form of brain activity. They are causing their brain to mold and it accepts the pattern as normal and it actually damages their ability to bond down the road. Any questions so far? So to review, the prefrontal cortex doesn't uh, finish development until your mid-20s, and it's responsible for mature decision-making. We have to remember that all these neurochemicals that I'm talking to you about today are values neutral. They do not distinguish between good and bad behavior. 
and oxytocin and vasopressin are responsible for bonding between men and women. So let's, moving along, let's talk about why young people say yes to a physical relationship outside the bounds of marriage. Lack of parental guidance, peer pressure, curiosity, desire for intimacy. We have to remember that we cannot confuse a desire for emotional intimacy by engaging in physical intimacy. Physical intimacy does not instantly give you emotional intimacy. And a lot of young people confuse that behavior. What I mean is, he's not going to love you more if you decide to have a physical relationship with him. The physical relationship comes after you've developed a deep bond of trust, love, and respect for one another. And it takes time to nurture that. We all have heard of people, maybe you even know some people, who have jumped into that physical relationship after a few dates with a person. It is impossible to gain, to have that emotional intimacy required for the physical part of it to enhance that. God's given you the physical side of that relationship to enhance the relationship that you already have in existence. Does everybody get that? The expectations and norms of society in the movies are bogus, and it leads to bad consequences. Hollywood doesn't tell you the whole story. They glamorize it. They make it real pretty. They confuse you. But we all know that Hollywood is not real life. And for those who want to dabble with drugs and alcohol, just remember that drugs and alcohol, they impair your ability to make good decisions. So don't confuse things by engaging in high-risk behavior that's going to cause you to make some decisions that you're going to regret down the road. Some of the emotional consequences I've seen in my office are fear and confusion, depression, Decreased self-worth, that's a big one. They all feel horrible about themselves. God's designed our bodies to have a physical relationship with somebody who loves and respects us, not somebody who's going to make you feel less worthy about yourself than you deserve to feel. I've seen a lot of guilt. I've seen a lot of depression. And I've had suicidal young people in my office because they've broken up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Does that sound like something God has planned for your life? So let's talk about this impaired attachment that people experience down the road after they've been in multiple relationships. Who here has ever worked with duct tape? <laughs> okay, so what do we know about duct tape? What's the first thing we know about it? It's really sticky, right? So it works great, really sticky. So let me ask you this. Does it work great the second time you use it? 
Doesn't stick so good, does it? How about the third time? The fourth time probably won't work at all, right? Okay, well, the mechanism that God has placed and designed in our bodies has designed us to work with one relationship. So for all of us who know people, have friends at school who go from boyfriend to girlfriend, from boyfriend to girlfriend, it's like, holy mackerel. How well do you think they're going to bond with their mate when they eventually decide to get married? They're not going to be as content as you are for if you decide to wait for that perfect person that God has designed for you. According to the website that I used and the, and the books that I used to research this, depression is more common in young people who are physically involved than those who are not. So for those of you in the room who might be a little envious of, boy, that guy's always got the good-looking girl on, on his arm. I'm telling you, I don't know how he does it. Or, I'm telling you, that girl, she always has the best, nicest-looking guy. Do you think those people are actually happier than you are? I think you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Those people, when they show, they, you don't know it, but they're in my office or they're in somebody else's, else's uh, office crying because so-and-so dumped me for another girl or so-and-so dumped me for another guy. Sexually active teen girls are three times more likely to report that they are depressed. Most of or a lot of the time as, a par as compared to those girls who are not sexually active. While sexually active boys are more than twice as likely to report depression as boys who are not sexually active. Sexually active girls are three times as likely as non-sexually active girls to have attempted suicide. What do you think it is for boys? Eight. I thought five, too, when I was putting this together. Eight times more likely. And, you know, girls, you're probably thinking, all oh, those guys, they, they, they don't. They're not affected by these relationships. I'm here to tell you I have just as many boys in my office as I do girls. And sometimes they're more emotional than the girls that show up at my office. Young people who start sexual activity outside the marriage have decreased marital stability. That's that duct tape analogy. They have decreased happiness. And a lot of them, because they were in a physical relationship too soon and they had a non-marital pregnancy that they had to deal with, they don't reach their goals of going to school and university. They don't go through that process. You don't have a college degree or a university degree, guess what? Your chances of having job stability or a good high-paying job, they're decreased as well. And what happens to these people as adults down the road because they made poor decisions as young people, some of them are at higher risk for depression and adulthood, or they engage in high-risk behaviors as adults. They turn to alcohol for comfort. 
but most of all, they'll experience decreased feelings of self-worth. Their self-esteem goes down. Reasons for sexual integrity. Remember, your bodies are temples of the Lord. God wants you to glorify your bodies in the way that he intended. So how many people were taught abstinence in their sex ed classes in school? Okay, how much time was spent on the topic? Not very much. You know, it's kind of that little token word that gets thrown in the, in the presentation. That's what it was at the college presentation that I attended by our public health unit. They kind of just say, abstinence is best, but if you're going to engage in a physical relationship, please use protection. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's all you're going to say on abstinence? Listen, guys, abstinence is the perfect investment in your future. It's a deliberate act of a person to refrain from sexual activity. Sexual activity is meant to enhance your life. It's meant to enhance your life when you're in a deep, emotionally committed relationship with your spouse. It has a lot of benefits, and it's very enjoyable. But... You want to be in that relationship, in a committed relationship. And God desires that in the context of a marriage. Outside the boundaries of a faithful marriage, sexual activity is likely to be associated with a lot of disappointment and depression and unhealthy attachments. Personal purity is most likely to increase an individual's chance at future health and happiness but it requires separation. Remember, God does tell us to separate you from the world. There's a reason why he's put that mechanism in place. If you're not married, abstinence is the lifestyle that invests in a future with the greatest opportunity of health, hope, and happiness. It is the any activity that involves, sexual activity is any activity that involves the intentional physical contact for the purpose of sexual arousal. Again, that's that dopamine, that excitement feeling that it rewards you with. The advantage of abstinence is it's free. It doesn't cost you anything but it also frees an unmarried individual to help them reach their full potential that God has designed for you. He wants you to reach your goals. He's designed a way for you to get there. You just have to make those choices. It also encourages young people to build healthy relationships, not confused by physical involvement. I've seen a lot of young people who've come into my office. They've had multiple partners. Okay, that aside. And then they, tell, they come to me because they want counseling because they're worried that they have an STI 
or they want a pregnancy test. So what I do is I counsel them for a few minutes before I actually do the pregnancy test with them. And I say, what are your goals for yourself? Well, I'm at school here. I obviously want to finish school. And I said, okay, what are your goals beyond that? Well, I want to get a good job. I want to buy a car. You know, I want to get some nice clothes. The health center where I work at right now happens to be a Christian herself and asked me to come and help her out. Okay, so I did, I literally kind of fell in the job, but I don't believe for a second that it wasn't ordained by God. This was a meeting that was ordained by God, and he knew between the two of us that we could give a lot of Christian-based counseling to the young people who come into our very busy health center but we're giving it to them under the guise of this is the best scientific-based uh, evidence information that we can give you. And I have been called on it a few times, but abstinence is the best message that works. It is the only thing that works. I, I don't necessarily have to tell them God has designed this for you, but I, I, it is a fine line. But I am able to give the kids a lot of Christian-based uh, counseling, and I think they benefit from it. Not, I haven't gotten had any children, kids got mad, get mad at me for the uh, advice that I've given them. So part two of this, and this is where I want you guys to put your thinking caps on, is called "Be a Joseph, Not a Samson." Okay, this is called balancing passion and purity. So we all know the life. We all know the life of Samson. What do we know about him? He let Delilah cut his hair. That's right. Okay. Was he raised in a Christian home? Was he raised by believing parents? Yes, he was. And his parents set a very positive tone in the home. And he's remembered for his extraordinary strength in the Bible. And he was very blessed by God. But who was his downfall? Delilah. That's right. And his lack of character cost him his life. Yes, it did. Now think of Joseph. Joseph was sold into captivity by his brothers. He was a good person and he was well favored by the Egyptians. And he refused his master's wife. What happened when he refused Potiphar's wife? He was thrown in prison and punished, but he was protected by God in prison. And ultimately he was let out. He, was sho he showed forgiveness to his, his brothers. And he prospered very well during the famine in Egypt. So he's a hero worth emulating in the Bible, right? Safe to say? Let's talk about Esther versus Delilah. Ladies, which one do you want to be? Well, let's think about it. Delilah was a temptress. She was greedy. She was a smooth talker. She was more concerned about outer appearance than inner beauty. She was self-indulgent. She was sinful. 
And Esther, she obtained the king's favor out of 400 women and ended up becoming the queen of Persia. And she and her maidens were certainly willing to serve God. They prayed and fasted for three days, and she ended up saving her people. So it's just an example of how God is faithful and generous to those who humbly live his way and serve him. So let's talk about some myths. We've all heard the phrase, all is fair in love and war. So if you've got a friend who comes to you and say that, you tell them the basis of love is sacrifice, not fairness. Those, Lou and I, we sacrifice for one another. We esteem each other higher than ourselves. That's the way a balanced and healthy marriage should be. Your parents have set the tone for that in your house. And then you have friends who say, well, how will I know if I have the right person if I don't experiment a little bit? How will I know? I think we've all heard those conversations in our homes with people who don't go to a Christ, a Christian church. Well, I'm here to tell you, multiple experiences just breed comparisons and dissatisfactions. You're always thinking that there's something better out there that you're missing out on something. And I've worked with women like that because I've worked in a hospital. I've worked with a lot of women in my 25 years as a nurse. And I'll tell you, the women that I know that have done that, they just end up ultimately very unhappy and very unsatisfied. And they just can't understand why they can't find Mr. Wright. How about, I thought he or she would love me more if I would just jump into that physical relationship with them. The truth is, if that is the only way that you can hold on to that person, do you really want them? Are they really worth it? If they don't want to take the time that is needed to invest in trust and respect, mutual trust, mutual love, mutual respect, then it's not worth having. A physical relationship without a commitment is not based on love, but on lust. And for the people who are curious out there, you can be curious about a lot of things. But the appropriate time for a physical relationship is within the confines of a committed marriage relationship. Put your trust in God's timing because his timing is always better than our own. Make some promises to yourself. Tell yourself you want God's blessing in your life. In Romans 12.1, he tells us, I beseech ye therefore... Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't do anything that's going to hinder your prayer life with God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. 
Tell yourself you want to live a life of integrity, the life that God designed for you. Tell yourself that you want others to see the power of Christ in your life. First Peter tells us, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Choose purity. The definition of pure tells us it's free from mixture or contact with that which weakens, impairs, or pollutes. Something worth thinking about. Think about what you're feeding your minds with, what you're feeding your spirits with. Is it the word of God? Is it the fellowship and love of one another? Are you investing a lot of time in watching TV and movies and reading magazines? The condition of the heart, mind, and body and soul will eventually determine the condition of your body. Certain books and magazines, movies, internet, TV shows, they cause a lot of confusion in your hearts and in your minds. An impure heart and mind will eventually lead to impurity of the body. And sexual sins, don't fool yourself, will affect all areas of your life. Hearts, minds, and bodies. The young people that show up in the health center, they come in under the guise that they want a pregnancy test or they want to be tested for STIs. But what they ultimately end up coming for is the counseling for the emotional trauma and scars that they're going through. Okay, so physical involvement is progressive, guys. Your body gets used to each level on this staircase here. So first of all, you know your relationship with somebody. It might start with eye contact with them across the room. And then you might actually meet up with each other and you decide you're going to hold hands. Remember, your body is being uh, flooded with dopamine and oxytocin and vasopressin. So you're bonding with this person but you're also getting a feeling of excitement. But after a while, it takes a little bit more to initiate that same level of excitement. Just avoid the pitfalls. It's important that you keep your hearts and minds pure. And you got to remember where to draw the line. You're going to fool yourself if you tell yourselves that you can stop. This is a common pitfall that I hear. Mm. Write a vow to yourself to stay pure. Okay? Make some promises to yourself. Find some friends who hold the same commitment. Go to CFG. Pray for one another. Find the right friends to pray with. 
It's important that you do that. Develop a plan for countering triggers and study the Word of God. Avoid situations that put you in a one-on-one situation with somebody with the opposite sex. That's why CFG is such a great outlet for you guys. It allows you to fellowship with one another, to develop these relationships with one another. Rely on the spiritual teachings of the church and of the values that your parents have instilled in you. Invest in integrity. Invite others to walk the road with you. Talk about it with your friends. Never put yourself in a tempting situation. Trust God to meet your love, need for love and self-worth. Don't rely on another person to give that to you because they'll let you down. Enjoy others instead of using others. Give yourself to purity. Refuse to justify bad decisions. Isolate yourself from tempting people and situations. If somebody that you think might be interested in you wants to study with you while you're at school, say, let's get a group together. Avoid the situation. Transform your mind through God's word and yield to Christ who loves you and trust in him. Remember, abstaining from physical involvement until marriage is right and good. Abstaining from physical involvement without marriage is better than committing to sexual purity as a lifestyle until God has revealed who that perfect partner is for you and you've walked down that aisle is the best. Here's some Bible verses to remind us what God's promises are for us. Remember, you can do all things through Christ which strengthen you. And remember, he does not give you more than you can bear. He always supplies an out for you. Any questions? Just out of curiosity, um, if we were designed just to have one relationship in our entire lives, then if I were men of God, like, having five wives, is there more? Good question. They need to, they need to dive a little bit more into the word of the Lord. But which Bible are they following? Are they following our Bible? I mean, like, Oh, you mean in the Old Testament? Well, you know what? I mean, in biblical times, I think it was a necessity to populate the earth, okay? But that's not. (laughs) Really, I think it was. Lou, maybe you can answer that question. But God, you know, Jesus did. We have to remember, we're living by the New Testament, not by Mosaic law, right? Everybody always asks that question. Earth, 
somebody even asks about that, that they say, hey, if your spouse dies or your wife dies, who marries the who married the wife again? There's there's God ordained specific rule. You could say rule. That's the right word. And what's interesting about the this whole presentation and, and this whole thought pattern we're trying to get across is God designs us in a certain way to act in a certain way. And that was, I like that question that somebody had about what about uh, do they know your counseling with a Christian slant, so to speak? Let's put it this way. If Linda presented the same information and just left the Christian slant completely out of it, and but she provided the same information, if the kids she's counseling followed those directions, their life would be no problems at all. They would have they would avoid all kinds of complications, all kinds of issues, all these pitfalls, pitfalls and emotional and psychological traumas that affect them just by following the direction of biblical, uh, biblical direction, I guess. Now, that probably didn't answer your question fully, but hopefully partially. Um, I'm just going to share a little um, story. When Ben and I were um, She's just asking us a bunch of questions. She's like, oh, how old are you guys? You guys look really young. And we're just telling that or whatever. And she asked me, did you wear a white wedding dress? And I was like, yeah. Not really understanding what she was asking. Um, and then after I saw the look on her face, I kind of figured, like, what she meant by that. And um, just her face kind of just said it all. Like, it just felt, like, like, really happy for me, but, like, ashamed for herself and, like, really hurt, like, just all, like, her face, and, and even her husband was just, you know, they were kind of looking down, and their face was just, like, very ashamed and, like, really hurt, and there's so much, like, history behind that. Um, they definitely went through something, and even on their honeymoon, it's, it's impacting them, so. Yeah, and thank you for that, that uh, testimony, because it's very true, you know, like, uh, when I, um, when I attend weddings in our fellowship I, I just I always say to my husband as we're leaving I'm going isn't it wonderful the gift that they're going to give each other tonight like your your marriage starts off with such a huge blessing because you were patient and you waited for God's timing and it will it will greatly enhance your marriage and and it um it places your marriage on such a firm foundation, as I'm sure you two can attest, because how long have you been married? It's not even been a year yet, has it? But, you know, you've got, you've got the firm foundation of God beneath your feet, and then, and then you've got these added blessings that God's enhanced your life with. And it's just, I'm telling you, I, I've just seen too many heartbroken young people in my office and I just, I hope and pray that none of you ever go through the heartbreak that I've seen some of the young people in my office go through. I know we're all still in the, and you can say the fire because we're all still dealing with these things, but the Bible says to flee temptation, not to wrestle with it, you know, not to try to put up with it and think that you can handle it if you can't, you know, so we have to flee temptation, whether it be parties or whatever the atmosphere you should be anywhere near. I know in my life, <clears throat> I played football, so it was kind of like 
you're almost expected to do these things. So it, sure. you, you do have to stand up. You do have to you know, stand up for what you believe in and you know, flee temptation. Because there's no doubt about it. I mean, listen, the way look, these, the, your neurotransmitters are value neutral. There's no doubt about it. When you, when you kind of get that, that uh, wheels kid around this googly googly feeling because you, you're holding hands and then like, oh, you're, I mean, you're like, you know. You just turned mushy inside. I still have to explain that. Aww. There's no doubt that happens. And guess what? It, it's a pleasurable experience. It's, it's the way God designed you. He wants you to feel like that when you enter in that relationship with a person of the opposite. Like, that's, the, that's how God designed you. He wants it. The, the only issue is, are you following God's direction and how, and how to get there? And just a quick, uh, I share experiences in my life. I have three that used to be close friends that I grew up with. And when we grew up, um, these three of my close friends, they had a lot of physical relationships with a lot of different partners before they finally got married. And all three of them, two of them are divorced. Multiple times. Multiple times. And one of them... Um, he had a, a relationship outside of his marriage, and that, thankfully, it, it, anyways, there's all kinds of problems. But what? A, bottom line is, this is science. This is not. Uh, this is not something like you know, thou shalt do this and things will work out right. Guess what? It's science. That's the way God designed it. Any any other questions? Okay. Thanks for attending, everybody. Have a good lunch.